Welcome, everyone, to the All B Sports Podcast, where it's all BS all the time. It is me, Brian, today with James. We are without Nick. He has failed us this morning, but uh, should be back on the next episode. How are you doing today, James? I'm doing really good. Um, Browns didn't let me down for the first time in I don't know how long. So, uh, yeah, that's a good sign for him, I guess. Yeah, news. Uh, we do have some news. Uh, as If you did watch the Browns-Bengals games, you saw CJ Uzama uh, leave the game with apparent lower leg injury that did tear, uh, turn into a torn Achilles. So he is done for the year, which uh, is unfortunate for the Bengals just because it looks like Joe Burrow was liking to use him a lot. So now they'll have to look elsewhere to kind of help Burrow get uh, a strong rookie season going. Yeah, that is unfortunate. That's the uh, second uh, torn Achilles this year. As we know, Marlon Mack also tore his Achilles. So it's questionable as to whether or not this lack of an offseason, lack of preseason, uh, just these different things that get the players ready uh, to play at a high level could be impacting him at some, you know, from an injury standpoint. So it'll be something to watch as the next couple of weeks go on. Obviously, once you get into that week five, week six, you've kind of got the uh, the tread on the tires, you're kind of worn in. So, yeah, hoping hoping for the best for everybody going forward that this is kind of the end of these uh, ace or the I guess the Achilles because most next thing we'll see is the ACLs. So, yeah, I, I kind of you know you'd see a lot of these injuries happen with the short preseason time that the starters would usually see, but now that they're not getting that kind of you know being thrown straight into the trenches with full games, so I, I do think that the this off season is factoring into all these new injuries that we are seeing. Yeah. That's, it's going to be an interesting argument with the NFL PA and uh, the NFL in general, because as you know, uh, players have been advocating for no preseason and different things like that. Uh, but this just goes to show that whether or not there's a preseason or not. Um, and I guess you could, you could argue that at least this game mattered, whereas a preseason preseason game doesn't matter, but, um, at the end of the day, when it comes to being prepared to be on the field, every game does matter. Um, so, yeah, it'll be an interesting argument as to saying whether they should be increasing offseason, you know, re- rehabilitation, mobility, workload, things like that, or if they should be, you know, decreasing season length. A lot of questions that are going to go into it after a, a completely different season like we're seeing this year. Yeah. Uh, other bit of news that we have here, uh, Rams re-signed yet another uh, piece to their team, Robert Woods, four-year, $68 million. Uh, See, that fall, follows right up with the Cooper Cup. I think it was three-year, $48 million, so got a lot invested in their wide receivers now. Yeah, Chiefs and the Rams, the rules just don't apply to them. Uh, if they want to re-sign guys, they just do it. Uh, I don't think that they have a salary cap. Um I was reading something by spot track here and it comes down to the fluidity of the cap and it's a more fluid cap than any other league, but I think they're just cheating. That's my only thought. Yeah. Some, something like the last year of their deals is going to be like $40 million cap hit, but if they cut them, you know, it's only going to be like a few million dead caps. So they just, I don't know. I don't know that. Yeah. It's voodoo magic, whatever it is that they're doing, but you know, let's see if it works out for them. Yeah. 
let's get into uh, dig into the Bengals Browns games here. Um, just the way played was pretty closely to what I said that they should do on last Tuesday on our episode. You know, just hand the ball off to Chubb and Kareem Hunt, all close to thirty-five times and. Baker throws, I think he threw 23 times total. I said 15, which was 15, you know. 20. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that the sweet spot for Baker is going to be, I mean, really, for me, it's it's a bigger range. For me, it's 20 to 30 times. You know, it just kind of depends on the flow of the offense. Um, you know, these days, 30 attempts is, is, is not that, you know, big of a deal. But – yeah, like you know, like you said, fifteen to twenty times, even fifth or twenty to twenty-five carries, but getting the ball in the hands of the running backs and having them uh, open up lanes and different things. One thing that really stuck out to me, just looking uh, at the plays and everything, is you saw a, a more advanced offense than we saw last week, and you saw an offense unlike last year that uh, evolved as the game went on. Uh, there was a big play, fourth down play. Give me one second here. The fourth down play to Landry, you know, it was you, – you didn't see a single play last season where they drew up a play to get a guy open and convert, and that's what you saw on that fourth down play. So, uh, yeah, I liked what I saw from the Browns. Obviously, the Bengals, I think, are going to be a little bit better than everybody thought they were. And, uh, yeah, that, that's my initial thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I kind of have the Bengals at like a – four and 12, five and 11 team on the year. And I mean, they're starting off in that direction with Owen two, but uh, I mean, I personally thought that Joe Burrow is a uh, better quarterback right now than Baker Mayfield, the way he played on Thursday. I mean, he was five for five on fourth down uh, through the ball 60 times. I mean, what team asks their quarterback to do that unless they, you know, believe he can do something with it. Yeah, and, you know, 37 to 61, it's not the best, but it's not terrible. Um, you know, and he, you, you see the, the check downs and everything that he's taking, and uh, that's kind of you got to take what the defense gives you. But you do also see he does push the ball downfield. You know, you see a lot of 10-yard completions, 15-yard completions. Uh, honestly, watching him, I'm really excited for what this kid's career could be. Uh, you see a little bit of a – you know, a Russell Wilson-y movement. He's not the most athletic guy, but he's got sneaky athleticism where he can he can kind of scoot out and he can easily get those big runs. And if you're not paying attention, um, obviously Russell Wilson's more athletic, but uh, just the way that he moves, keeps his eyes downfield, slips the pocket, you know, and he'll take those, pick up those couple of runs where he can get them and convert for first downs. And uh, My computer keeps trying to talk to me this morning. Uh yeah, I think that at this point, you know, he's trending at a higher rate than uh, Baker Mayfield for sure. But I think that also the play that I saw from Baker is, is why he still has the starting job was the the bootleg left, you know, quick set, uh, dart 50 yards downfield for that touchdown to OBJ. And he's got all those talents. It's just a matter of putting that together on the field. Uh, and hopefully Stefanski can keep that going for him. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not slamming Baker in any way. He had a fantastic night, too. Both quarterbacks looked pretty good. Uh, a lot of pocket awareness among them. I saw a lot of, uh, you know, stepping up in the pocket to avoid the defensive ends on both 
on both their accounts, which you like to see. It's a good good pocket presence, keeping uh, keeping their poise, keeping the eyes downfield rather than you know rolling out, scrambling around. Yeah, and that's that's one thing that I like with what Stefanski's doing with Baker. There is uh, there's a lot of play action rollout stuff. That, so there's a lot of stuff to just make Baker feel a little bit more comfortable. Because uh, he, he just doesn't trust that offensive line. And you can tell that Stefanski knows that. He wants to work that play action. But he also just gets Baker moving, you know, versus him being forced to sit in the pocket every play like he was last year, taking those three-step, seven-step drops, uh, looking for the long read and being in the pocket where he felt like he had to scramble. So Stefanski's kind of putting those in where he's saying, hey, get out there, get your open lanes, you know, tuck it and run if nobody's around you know, throw it, throw it out of bounds if they're not there. And you just see kind of better decision-making, I think, from Baker in this last game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, just on, for the Browns organization as a whole, I hope that they do get it together and turn, you know, and have a successful season that can be a bright future for them. Cause you know, no one wants to see a team be bad for 20, the 20 years that the Browns have been bad. Yeah, uh, and I, th- I think the biggest concern with the Browns right now is actually their secondary. Uh, they've really been picked apart in the last, you know, two games, and they're supposed to have, you know, a really good secondary. They're supposed to have this really good defensive line, uh, you know, and uh, looking here, no sacks or no, three sacks, sorry, three sacks. You want to see that number higher, uh, especially from a, a team that signed uh, – Miles Garrett, and I, they're also going to have to re-sign Denzel Ward. So putting all that money into the defense, you want to see more production, and you want to see the offense not having to outscore 30 points, you know, down the stretch. Yeah, yeah for sure. And they did have some injuries. So I, I know they had Denzel Ward and Miles Garrett, so that's the two biggest pieces of their defense were there, but they were missing Greedy Williams and Olivier Vernon, who were kind of, you know, both the number twos to the to Ward and uh, – uh, Miles Garrett. Agreed. And that's, I think that's about the, you know, kind of my last, my last thought on it. My last, last thought. <laughs> uh, that's where teams like this really struggle is that people have these expectations for the starting roster on paper, but it's not every day that you get to have the starting roster on the field. Uh, and that's where having, not having depth, having to build a team over years. And that's why the expectations two years ago and even last year, uh, we're just unfair. You know, you got to be able to build this roster zero to 55 now. I think it's 55 players on the roster. No, I uh, think it's still 53. I think they just have extended practice squads. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So even then you got to build this team zero to 53. Uh, and until you get to that point, then you're going to struggle when you're missing key pieces. So exactly. Um, let's get into some pickums. We have Nick's pickums here, so we can compare. See, you know, obviously we can't hear his opinion, so we'll have to ask him about that on, you know, when we come back to review the games to see what he, where he was right, where he was wrong, and what was going on in his brain. But at least we have ours. All right, get us started off. Uh, let's look at uh, Falcons and Cowboys. I personally think the Cowboys bounce back from their loss to the Rams. Um, they kind of have very similar offenses in that they do have a pretty deep wide receiver core and a nice running back. I think probably the thing that uh, gives Dallas the 
nod here is um, offensive line. Not saying the Falcons' offensive line is bad. Just Dallas has, you know, just had a historically good offensive line these last five, six years. I think that's probably going to be the edge. All right, yeah, and so for me, uh, boy, I don't want to be burned here twice, but I'm going with the Falcons on this game. Uh, you know, for me, I, I didn't see either of these teams starting 0-2, but obviously one of them has to. Uh, Matt Ryan proved that he is playing at his MVP caliber level uh, last week against the Seahawks. Uh, Todd Gurley proved that he can do Todd Gurley things uh, when healthy and went on a football field. And the Cowboys proved to me that they can do Cowboys things. Uh, there were so many opportunities for the Cowboys to win, uh, excuse me, against the Rams. And they just couldn't get it done. Uh, the Falcons, on the other hand, they were just up against a buzzsaw with Russell Wilson, uh, who played probably the best game of his career. And when you have a first ballot Hall of Famer playing the best game of his career, there's not a lot of times you're going to win that game. Uh, and yet they still kept in the game, kept it down the stretch. So uh, for that reason, I'm taking the Falcons, uh, even on the road. I just think that somebody has to start 0-2 in it. I, for me, it's more likely the Cowboys. That's fair. Um, Dick also has the Falcons winning. Um, I will say that the Cowboys, again, are at home. They usually play better at home, especially you know if you look at last season. Amari Cooper seems to play better at home. And they will have fans in the stands, so there might be, uh, you know, some normal-looking football and that the fans could be a factor. Uh, we'll see if they can produce enough noise to kind of disrupt the Falcons' offense. Yeah, my, my, early, my early thoughts with this would be uh, just a high-powered, high-octane game. Uh, you know, we were talking last week about the Falcons possibly being the team that has the best, you know, trio of wide receivers and then uh you look at the cowboys obviously they were our preseason picks for having that uh where we where we had them possibly going three 1000 yard receivers and then they they both have premier running backs in todd Gurley and uh ezekiel elliott so i i could easily see this being one of the the highest scoring games of the season like a you know a 48 43 48 45 type of game Honestly. Yeah, that that is getting up there. I was going to put more like 35-30. But yeah, uh, I'm looking would... at like the, you know, the Rams Chiefs a couple years ago. Just everybody you can they just keep scoring. That's what yeah, I see. Yeah, and and with the defenses that they have, I mean, we can very well see that the the Cowboys don't have a great secondary right now and they have injuries elsewhere on the defense. Uh, Leighton Van Der Esch, they're Nice rookie, uh, their nice rookie from two years ago now is he broke his collarbone, so he's out six to eight weeks. And Sean Lee, the seasoned veteran, he's out. So, yeah, could be a very high scoring affair. All right, what do we got next here? See, here we got uh, Bills and Dolphins. Oh, so I'm guessing Nick went Dolphins here. He did go Dolphins, you know, I feel like, yeah. You have to pick your team, but I, yeah, that's wrong. And, yeah, and I wonder, you know, there's just a question for me is whether or not he has to pick his team or if he believes they can win this game. Because I'll be honest, this is one of the few games that I have slated not in the Dolphins' favor, and uh, I hope they don't lose because I'll never hear the end of it. Uh, or I hope they don't win because I'll never hear the end of it. Because, yeah, I'm definitely going Bills on this one. They just looked 
so good. Obviously, it was against the Jets last week, but, uh, you know, I said it early on. Josh Allen looked like an MVP candidate after one week. You know, that's my overreaction of week one. And so with that, they're going up against a secondary that is really, really good, a defensive line that is really, really good uh, with the Bills. And it's just a question of whether or not Fitzpatrick can play a smart game, uh, you know, and not turn it over because he's going to be pressured and it's going to be tight coverage out there. Yeah, I mean, uh, Fitzpatrick, I mean, I hope he watched a lot of the game film from the Patriots game because I think he's going to see a lot of the same things with the Bills. The defenses are very similar in that they boast strong secondaries to help, you know, the front seven create pressure on the quarterback. So, And it didn't work well for him last week with three interceptions. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, I got the Bills winning – and so does – I can actually see the statistics on our pickums here, and so does 95% of America. Yeah, and, I mean, I could see it being a closer game. I could see the Dolphins, uh, you know, because I think this is a, a matchup where, you know, this, the Dolphins' secondary could potentially pay dividends. Uh, Allen's a guy who likes to take some risks throwing the ball, and they do have a couple of ball hawks out there. So you could, you could easily see uh, the Dolphins getting two turnovers, two takeaways in this game. Uh, you know, but I still see it being maybe just like a, you know, a 17, 14 win for the, uh, for the bills. I think that Josh Allen just has enough tools that he's going to be able to make something happen. But for Nick, I have to admit that I could see this being the game where you start to see some takeaways from that Dolphins defense. Yeah. Agreed. Next we have, uh, bears and giants. Uh, it looks like they're going to be in Chicago. What do you got here, Brian? I'm going with the Bears. I think they uh, keep rolling with the hot start here that they did over uh, and the Giants. Just their defense is just not good. They can't uh, put up, can't create takeaways or create stops. And the Bears might be able to stop Saquon Barkley like he was stopped last week. Yeah, so I'm actually going to go with the Giants on this one. Um and it's always kind of fun because week one, you know, obviously there's a lot of overreactions that you can do. But if Daniel Jones is the same quarterback that he was last week, I think that he played the best defense in the NFL last week. And he kept his composure. You know, again, I pointed to that 19-play drive, uh, you know, with a lot of pressure. He had pressure on every play just about. It was very rarely thrown from a clean pocket. But they had a lot of concepts where they were getting the ball out quick. He was throwing crisp accurate throws across the middle and to the outside. Uh, and so for that reason, I just, I just don't trust Mitch Trubisky to win game after game. And I think that the Giants are a team that could really start surprising people this year if Daniel Jones can continue to play at the level he was playing at. Because really his only big knock on his rookie year were the, were the fumbles. And uh, Steelers tried really, really hard to get that ball from him. And he, he did some real work on that in the offseason. So. Yeah, I like the Giants here. All righty. Um, then next, uh, since you were talking a little bit Pittsburgh Steelers there, we got – oh, wait, actually, I need to say Nick's pick. Nick does also has the Giants winning. Um, so with that, then we'll go to the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Denver, Denver Broncos. Yeah, this is going to be my sure pick of the week, and I'm taking the Steelers. Uh, I, I do really like what the Broncos are building out there right now. 
Uh, I think that against a lot of teams that they're going to win a lot of games. But going up to Heinz Field, even without a big crowd, I don't know if they're going to have uh, fans in the stands or not. It's hard to keep up with that. But uh, I think that the Broncos are going to struggle to run the ball. I mean, the Steelers didn't allow any rushing yards, I don't believe. They went negative on uh, Barkley. I know that. Um, yeah, I, I, I like the Steelers here. I do like the Broncos a lot, but I just think this is a game where, you know, they're just running into a buzzsaw. Yeah, I, it, I, I think it's real tough for uh, a young quarterback and like one with Drew Locke to go up against a defense as stout as the Steelers as they were showing last week against the Giants. And then even last year, they're, you know, their their defense was pretty much the only season, only reason why the Steelers had a, a mediocre season rather than a bad season. Yeah, they were looking at like the offensive output uh, and the fact that they were nearly in the playoffs. They had the worst, uh, what, I think, points per game since like 1998 or maybe it was the worst yards per game since 1998 and the worst uh, uh, points per game since 1989. So, you know, and they still managed to nearly squeak the playoffs because of how good that defense is. Yeah. And I'm not, I know that they've made some adjustments on their offensive line, but Drew Locke could find himself on his back quite a few times there with uh, TJ Watt and Bud Dupree. Yeah, and Steelers will be trying to fill a gap as well. They did lose uh, their right tackle, who was a first-year starting right tackle for them. He was actually drafted by the Colts, I think, four years ago. Um, so they'll be trying to fill a hole on the right side there. So there could be some mismatches, you know, opportunity for, you know, Denver's D-line to uh, pressure Big Ben and pressure him into some mistakes, which we know he is prone to making. Uh so, yeah, Broncos have every opportunity to go in and win this game. I just think the Steelers take it home pretty easily. Yeah, I think Nick also agrees with us. He's got Steelers in, uh, over the Broncos. So, next we'll go Packers and Lions. Going to going to stick with the Packers here. Can't even argue with that. I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers right now. And I think that – I think we are looking at this year's MVP and Aaron Rodgers. I think that he wants that title I think that he wants to prove that he's still the guy uh still a question of whether or not he's going to finish his career with Green Bay but if he finishes it with somebody else there's going to be a lot of suitors looking for him after the season I think he has this year oh yeah it'll if yeah if if for whatever reason like after this season he's not with the Packers it's going to be a lot like when the Colts release Peyton Manning it's just going to you know, people are going to be rolling out the red carpet for him. Like, what do we got to do to yeah, bring him you, here? It'll probably be the Bucks. Bucks will probably release Tom Brady and then bring in Aaron Rodgers, and he'll break every record available. You know, I, 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 can't, I can't agree with that, being a Tom Brady fan, but I will say this, that, you know, Aaron Rodgers' skill set probably works it works more in favor with Bruce Arians you know deep uh deep ball offense yeah but I think Brady gets it figured out and he sticks around that second year of his contract unless he decides he wants to retire but yeah I mean I think I find it funny that with the Packers that you know the offseason was is that the narrative 
taking a quarterback in the first round is like, oh, they're going to move off Aaron Rodgers. And as soon as last week happened, the narrative changed to they took a quarterback to light a fire under Aaron Rodgers, and that seemed to have worked with the way that he played last week. Yeah, I mean, there definitely could have been, you know, something to that, you know, and there were a lot of teams that were interested in Jordan Love, you know, so they could be a win-win situation. They could still trade Love away, uh, you know, and still probably get something pretty decent from that, whatever team that is that really, really needs the quarterback. But, yeah, if that was what they were trying to do, mission accomplished. Yeah, I mean, we could do a deep – I'd have to do a deeper dive on it. But if, yeah, next draft, all the quarterbacks that are coming out are already taken, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and there's another team there wanting wanting a quarterback. I could definitely see the Packers flipping Jordan Love for a top 10 draft pick rather than I think they took him 26 this yeah. last draft. So it would be a good investment in that sense. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, as far as the Lions, I know we've been talking mostly Packers, haven't really touched on the Lions. Um, and for me, it's just – the Lions last week had a 23 to six lead and then let it slip away. So I'm not, I can't bet on the Lions until they show me that there's something to bet for. Yeah. I mean, the one thing to keep, you know, that I have to keep in the you know front of my mind here is that uh, Adrian Peterson rushed for, you know, 14 carries for 93 yards. If he can keep on that pace, if he can keep being what he's been, you know, this will be the first time that Stafford's really had just that, pounding back who can pick up yards and you know not have to be that scat back you know trying to pick them up off the draws and different things like that and really manufacture that rushing game and so who it's really hard to say like what we're going to get out of the Lions this season uh this could be a trap game for the Packers you know just because in in the past they've had they've pretty much had the Lions number uh but at the same time the referees have kind of bailed them out a couple of times uh, you know, there's been a couple of late face masks called that have uh, kind of not gone in the Lions' favor. So these games are always close, and this could be the year where the where you know Stafford and them really have it figured out. And it was just uh, growing pains last week. One, yeah, one can hope. I mean, I I'm not an Aaron Rodgers fan, and and I'm always you know an underdog fan. So I I would love to see the Lions come up and upset the Packers, but. Do I think is going to happen? No. No, I agree. Uh, Tennessee t- – oh, wait. Um, Nick has – he also has the Packers. I, I probably didn't even have to look at that. Uh, ten- and th- Let's look at Titans and Jaguars. Do the Jaguars continue, continue their hot start? Uh, I like the Titans in this one. They're at home. I think that plays a factor. Uh the Colts, when Marlon Mack was in, were really able to get the ball moving on the ground. And uh, it wasn't until he went out that they kind of stalled. They had to get in that second gear. Uh, and, and really, Phillip Rivers had to throw that game away. Uh, they ha- they did have, you know, Henderson, C.J. Henderson, I believe. Uh, their rookie corner uh, out of Florida was really flashing some brilliance So uh, for the Jaguars. So that's going to be a tough matchup for whoever he covers. He was pretty much locking down even T.Y. Hilton. Uh, but that being said, I think the Titans just look so fluid. Uh, they just – their play calling is, you know, really on point. They can run the ball. Tannehill can throw the ball. Uh, they're, they're just too complete. I think that if this was at home, 
for the Jaguars. I honestly lean in the Jaguars' favor, but I'm taking the Titans because they they have the home field advantage here. Yeah, I mean, uh, the I think I'm going Titans too. The, as you said, the Colts at the start were getting that run game established with Marlon Mack until they got hurt. Well, if that's if that's really the case, then you have the Jaguars come to the Titans who have the best run establisher running back yep. in the game with Derrick Henry, just total bruiser. They might get him stopped early, like first quarter, but second, third, fourth quarter, he's going to start ripping those five, six, seven yard a carry runs. Yep. <sighs> Who's Nick going with there? Assume Nick's taking the Titans. Yeah, looks like he's got the Titans. And then uh, let's see. Then next we got Colts and Vikings. Hmm. <laughs> I think I'm going Vikings here. I'm sorry, James. I I think they put up great offensive numbers against the Packers. Uh, and the Packers' defense is no slouch. They got good corners and good pass rushers. I'd say probably their only downfall is maybe uh, their D tackles being able you know, able to run up on the Packers. But uh, the Vikings' offense looks like they're going to be humming. So, you know, I respect that. Uh, the Colts prove that they're a team that can throw away the easiest of games that they pretty much have looking like it's in the bag. Uh, I think they had like 500 yards of offense and still lost. So, I, I you know, I have to take the Colts here just because, you know, again, they are at home. Uh, the Vikings are coming off a loss. They're both coming off a loss. So somebody here has to go 0-2. I just don't see the Colts going 0-2 for the sixth time in seven years. Uh as hard as that is to say, uh, the, the Colts are a complete team. I think that, you know, Frank Reich is going to sit down with Phillip Rivers and just say, hey, you cannot make these throws. You cannot throw the game away. That's the one thing that we preach more than anything. That's ball security. You know, if you're going to be throwing these, you're, you're out of here. We need you to move the ball and not turn it over. And I think that we're going to see, we're going to see Jonathan Taylor break out. Uh, he's going to have a full week to prepare. <clears throat> as the starting running back and we're going to see a uh, see more of Naeem Hines. And uh, yeah, I think that this is the Colts start to get things clicking and I like him at home. I don't, I don't know. I'm not even that confident, but I'm going to take them. You know, and, and honestly, it's kind of hard to be confident with your picks this year because, you know, with there being no off season, like how many, how many of the losses from teams were just because, you know, things weren't, hadn't melded into place quite yet so you know there's there's teams that are winning right now and teams that are losing and come october things could look totally different uh let's see who nick has nick also has the colts so it's you guys against me so we'll see who is laughing on tuesday i noticed so far it's been every picket that has been opposite me and Nick have agreed, and you have disagreed. Yeah, so I guess uh, this is going to be. I could be a real trouble after this week, as far as keeping up with you guys. Yeah, next week's just going to be how Brian, how wrong was Brian? That's going to be the Tuesday episode. You know what? And I'll, I'll fess up to it. Gets it gets me more airtime talking about <laughs> how crappy I am. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. Next, we have the Rams and the Eagles. I'm going with the Rams. 
The I'm Eagles. going with the Rams. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, we're agreed. Uh, Nick's just taking the out. Eagles, isn't he? He is taking the Eagles. <laughs> what a dummy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, the Eagles gave up, what, like seven or eight sacks against the Washington football team, and now they're going to come up against the best pass rusher in football in Aaron Donald, no matter where he's lining up, whether it's inside or out. The guy just creates disruption. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Eagles, you know, again, they've proven that they're going to throw games away. Uh, Carson Wentz is not a guy that I'm going to ever hang my hat on. Uh, I love watching, you know, first take and get up and all these guys that are been so high on Carson Wentz. But guys in the fifth year of his contract, he's, you know, had about five minutes where he was an okay quarterback. Um, You know, Jared Goff looked – you know, stats don't really show at 20 for 31, 275, and one interception, no touchdowns. But Jared Goff was really, really sharp last week. The throws were, you know, lasers. The, the play calling was good. And they got the ball moving on the ground, you know, with Malcolm Brown. So I like everything that they've got going there. And then, again, you flip it back. And it's the same reason why the Washington football team had success. They're going to put pressure up the middle with Aaron Donald, uh, force Carson Wentz to make plays with his feet, uh, and then you've got Jalen Ramsey out there on the outside who's going to probably get an interception in this game. He's going to, you know, there's going to be a throw that's going to be just off, just high, just low. It's going to be tipped, something. But I, I think Jalen Ramsey takes it away. And, uh, yeah, Rams pull this one out and continue to show Nick that they are not the worst team in the NFL like he initially believed they would be. Yeah. I mean, the Eagles' offense is – I mean, they're still missing Miles Sanders, no Alshon Jeffrey, and Deshaun Jackson's there, but Carson Wentz doesn't seem to know that he's there, so they're really down to Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, and the rookie Jalen Rager, and I just don't think that's a winning formula right now. I love having two good tight ends, but you still got to have the wideouts to stretch the field, too. Yeah, I mean, um, you got you got an offensive line that's not, you know, cohesive. You know, you're missing guys on the offensive line as well, so. Yeah. And uh, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if they put – if the Rams put Ramsey on on Zach Ertz or Dallas Goddard just because he's a bigger cornerback so he could cover those tight ends just because I don't see them being afraid of the Eagles' wide receivers in this game. Yep. And, yeah, he does have the Eagles going. So next we'll go 49ers and Jets. Jets all day here. Really? No, you're you're joking. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, we just talked about this. <laughs> uh, let me let me just give me one second. So I'm gonna just look at the Jets schedule here. Do I don't have the Jets winning a football game this year? So that just, anyways. You know, and the, there's a chance of that, but I I think they get at least a couple because it as bad as a coach Adam Gase is. He does seem to get it right at least a few times a season. Like last year, they demolished Dallas out of the blue. Yeah. Like, and it wasn't even close. Yeah, I could see him, you know, doing that to the Chargers maybe. I could see I could see him picking up. I could see the Browns beating themselves in December. Uh, you know, maybe the Raiders. But they've got a tough schedule here. Well, they could honestly beat the Colts. Um, you know, if we're going to be really honest, they have the Colts next week. You know, and then Broncos, Cardinals, Chargers, 
Bills, Chiefs, Patriots, Dolphins, Dolphins. And honestly, I don't see them beating the Dolphins. Maybe a, maybe a win at home against the Dolphins. Raiders, Seahawks, Rams, Browns, Patriots. So, yeah, I, I could see this being an 0-16, a 1-15 team, honestly. And uh, yeah. get Sam Darnold on, on his way. Correct. Yep. I mean, uh, 49ers are going to be without a few pieces. Uh, Richard Sherman is on IR. George Kittle's out. But the defense is not going to be hurting at all because the New York Jets' uh, starting wide receivers is Rashad Perriman, Chris Hogan, and Braxton Berrios. Yeah. You know, there's just no one there to fear. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, they're missing Kittle, but I think that Jordan Reed, let's just make sure he's going to be playing in the football game and doesn't have a concussion. Yeah, did he bonk his head on, like, the door on the way out and is back in the product protocol? <laughs> yeah, it looks like uh, – well, and they got Muhammad Sanu. They brought him in, you know, a couple weeks ago so he could step up a little bit more this week. And then Jordan Reed. And so, yeah, really, I mean, from a receiver standpoint, when Jordan Reed's at the top of his game – it's not a big drop-off, uh, Kittle to Reed. So, yeah, they could keep that They keep that moving there. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Dick also has the 49ers. And so, uh, last but not least, we have Carolina Panthers at, at uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, obviously I think the Buccaneers are going to win this game, but I do have this picked as a trap game of the week. Uh, I could see, obviously, Tom Brady's going to come out with a fiery passion, but I could see the defense uh, overlooking this Panthers offense. I know that I overlooked them in week one. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater proved that he he can win games. Obviously, they didn't win last week, but he did enough to win that game. Christian McCaffrey is the best running back in the NFL. Robbie Anderson – uh, six receptions, 114 yards, and a TD last week. Uh, stretching the field, Bridgewater's willing to throw it out there. Uh, I could see the Buccaneers' defense overlooking this team and then getting in themselves into a shootout. Or I could see this just being an absolute Tom Brady domination, gets the defense rolling and just absolutely flattens the Panthers. So I could see this one going either way, but I have this one pegged as a trap game for the Buccaneers here. Yeah, Um I think it is going to be the Buccaneers demolishing the Panthers. Even though, like, the Buccaneers have a stout run defense and they were the only team to give Christian McCaffrey the only uh, stinker game that he had last season. And it was second, actually, yeah, I think it was week two of the NFL. And here we are again, week two, where they held him to no touchdowns. And I think, I don't know what the total yardage is, but I had. Christian McCaffrey on my fantasy team, and he got me a, like a whopping seven points. So this team obviously knows how to play him. Um, Tom Brady, after a loss, is not a person you want to be up against. Yeah, and so real quick hitting on your run defense there before you finish here. Um, yeah, and even last week against the Saints, they held the Saints to 2.4 yards a carry on 34 carries. So they, they're picking up that run defense right where they left it off. Yeah, I mean, and with the pieces that they have there, it's it's they're no joke with uh, Indomitian Sue and Vita Villa, nice uh, first round rookie that they drafted, kind of to plug up those holes, and then Levante David there to shoot the gaps. I mean, it's there's no it's no reason why they uh, can do that. Who, who does Nick have there? 
Did Nick take the Buccaneers? He is taking the Buccaneers. So we're all in agreement there. And I think that's uh, that's it for us. There's... Well, we've got the 1 o'clock games. Oh, yeah. There's all these games. Sorry, forgot to scroll. <laughs> He's got... Okay, so then next we have Cardinals and the Washington. So this is another situation where last week the Cardinals were my were my heart team. And, uh, you know, I went against my heart, but I'm going to also go against my heart this week because the Washington football team is my where my heart is. Uh, Cardinals proved that they're a formidable team, that they can play against the best in the league and come out with a win. Uh, even with how good uh, or, uh, San Francisco's defensive line is, I have Washington's as the best defensive line in the league right now. So I do see that they have the opportunity to – go in and upset the Cardinals at home. Uh, That being said, I got to go with the Cardinals just because they do look like a complete team this year. I do have them, uh, you know, making a legitimate playoff run, whereas I have Washington kind of middle of the road. So I'm taking the Cardinals here, but I will not be surprised at all if Washington goes in there, has some more late game heroics and pulls off another win to just surprise the world. I'm going uh, Cardinals as well. And for the reason that you brought up and that the car, you know, about defensive lines, even though if, even if Washington's is, is better, it's not going to be much better than the San Francisco 49ers and the Cardinals show that they can win against a tough defensive line, which is huge props to Kyler Murray, probably more on Kyler Murray than it is the Cardinals offensive line improving. Yeah. But, and then I'd, but the the uh, difference is that San Francisco's got pieces everywhere else on defense where Washington's really just got that defensive line to hang their hat on defensively. I'm hoping for another big game from uh, DeAndre Hopkins as well. Maybe not 14 catches, 150 yards, but maybe this time he gets a touchdown. <laughs> he came so close last week. So, so close. close. Uh Nick have uh, Cardinals on that one as well? I am looking at the picks that he sent me, and I'm not seeing that one. So, Did he not send Oh, no. I, okay, I, no. I can see it at the bottom. Okay. Uh, looks like he does have the Cardinals. All right. All in, all in agreement there. So next we have Chiefs and Chargers. Going to be Chiefs. I, was gonna say, I don't even think we have to talk about this one. It's going to be the Chiefs. It's going to be the Chiefs by about 106. Just because the Chiefs, I think, beat everyone by 106. And if that's not what the score is, that's when you watch it. That's what it feels like. Uh, Chiefs are just so good. I think this is a like a 14-2, and 15-1 year for the Chiefs, honestly. As long as Patrick Mahomes doesn't get hurt, which showed that that could happen last year. But, yeah, everyone stays healthy. Chiefs go 15-1. and one. Yeah, I mean, if, uh, if you're a betting man and you're looking to score big, you can – I imagine the line on the Chiefs-Chargers game is going to be high reward for betting on the Chargers. Yeah, they have um, a nine-point nine point favorite here, so uh, the biggest spread of the of the week. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just I just wasn't impressed with their offense last week, and they were against against the Bengals. So I mean, if the Browns can put up thirty five points on them, and then 
this this week, but last week the Chargers only put up 16, and it took a missed field goal to on the Bengals' part to win. It just doesn't bode well for the yep. Chargers going up against a stout offense like this. Yeah, and then you add in the Chiefs' defense, which you know proved against Deshaun Watson and company that they're a legitimate defense. Uh, you know, and Tyrod Taylor again. Tyrod Taylor might not lose you a lot of games, but he's not going to win you a lot of games either. Uh, and that's the big knock on him. That's why he seems to be in there uh, every time there's a rookie coming in. He's just there to get things he's, running smoothly, get everybody on the same page. Glorified placeholder. Yep. Let's see. He has, I imagine Nick has to have the Chiefs there too. Yep. So then next we have Ravens at the Houston Texans. Um, going Ravens, I think. They kind of steamrolled the Texans just like the Chiefs did before, but just uh, in a different way. Yeah, I wanted to take a look at something here. Yeah, so last year, uh, Houston went up to Baltimore and got shellacked 41-7. to And so I, I would, wouldn't be surprised if it's a similar game to that. Uh, I do expect Chiefs to hang a high number of points. 30, 35 points on him, uh, and that defense is going to have Deshaun Watson running for his life, and he doesn't have the wide receivers like he had in De- uh, DeAndre Hopkins, where he can really just throw up a prayer. Uh, he has to count on those guys actually getting, actually beating their man and actually getting open, which is going to be tough against uh, that Baltimore secondary. So, yeah, I mean, this is potentially the best secondary in football. Yeah. And a secondary that takes the ball away, too. You know, there's there's two different types of secondaries. There's one that just doesn't allow you to move the ball, and then one that just takes it away. And Marcus Peter might I think he has the most interceptions since he's come into the league. Yeah, he he's pro- he's probably the premier ball hawk corner yeah. in the league right now. But that does work against him from time to time. Yeah, yeah. I'm still surprised to see uh, the Chiefs moved on from him. And then was he with the Rams? Yeah. For a little while. Yeah, it's yep. hard to imagine that. I mean, maybe he's just a problem in the locker room, but it's hard to imagine two teams moving on from that kind of talent. You know, you, you don't mind if a guy gets burned here and there if he's taking interceptions to the house. You know, that's like a quarterback throwing incompletions. You'll allow it if he's getting some touchdowns. Yeah. Know. Exactly. And uh, let's see. Nick also has the Ravens all in agreements there. So now we're down to uh, Sunday night football. Patriots at Seahawks. Um, they're in Seattle, but they won't have, you know, the twelfth man there to create all that noise. Uh, this is a similar situation with Nick taking the Dolphins over the Bills. I'm taking the Patriots over the Seahawks, but I'm not confident in that whatsoever. That's so interesting. Why do I have more faith in the Patriots than you, Brian? I mean, since the off season, why why have I had more faith in the Patriots than you? It's, I, it's I, not... have the, I have the Patriots picked in this game, but I have the Patriots picked in this game because I think that they're going to go in there and win the game. I'm not picking them for any other reason than the fact that they have Bill Belichick, that they have a former MVP in Cam Newton, that they have Stephon Gilmer and Jonathan Jones, and uh, Russell Wilson isn't going to go 31 for 35 for 322 yards and four touchdowns against this secondary. He might make it difficult. He's going to run around a lot. He's going to make the 
the defense move and stretch. But uh, I think he's got some interceptions in this game. I think that the Patriots secondary is just so good. And then, you know, Bill Belichick has kind of had a decent experience against the Seahawks. It's been, they've been close games, but I think that it's a different, different game now with uh, Cam Newton and that power running offense that they're going to take to Seattle. Yeah. I mean, this, this is going to be a really fast Sunday night game because both teams are going to be looking to run the ball, control the clock. So it's going to be halftime in like less than an hour. And, you know, we're going to be all in bed by eight kind of thing. Yeah. I think you were questioning who to, uh, who to start. You were Sony Michelle or some other backs. And yeah, my fantasy fantasy, I got Sony Michelle, JK Dobbins or David Montgomery as to, you know, who am who am I going to start in my number two RB spot there? And I haven't, I, I guess I should go back and look to see how well the Falcons ran the ball in the Seahawks last week. I knew they passed it just fine. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, to your point, to your points earlier, yeah, Russell Wilson definitely isn't going to go 31-35 for uh, four touchdown passes, but the defense, the Patriots, I don't think are all that great against the run. They got a really young front seven there. So I think, and Seattle loves to run the ball and they got a good running back to do it with Chris Carson. And plus they went and got Carlos Hyde to be that number two guy to keep everyone fresh. I think, yeah, it's going to be decided who, who runs the ball better. That's going to be who wins this game. Yeah. And I think as long as Cam Newton doesn't turn the ball over, which, uh, I'm just double checking something real quick here. You know, in general, he's, you know, never been the best at ball security, but he's never been terrible either. Uh, you know, the fact that the Falcons were able to throw for 450 yards, uh, I could easily see this being, you know, a 300 yard game by Cam as well. So let's not forget that the guy can throw the ball. You know, we get so caught up in his proclivity to run it and how powerful he is in that sense, but, uh, the kid's got some 300 games, 300 yard games under his belt, and this could be one of them. And as soon as you start to see this offense open up in that sense, boy, I, it's just hard to imagine anybody can beat uh, Bill Belichick with that type of offense and what he's always going to do on defense in the end of games. Yeah, and to your to your question earlier about why is it you're more confident in the Patriots winning is just because I just I don't like to take anything for granted. It seems like every time I do, I get shot in the foot like last year. You know, let's go to Miami. Let's win that last game and secure a a bye week. And nope, that didn't happen. You know, took that game for granted. Just like, just, it feels like every time I do, I get, yeah, something bad happens. So now I just kind of look at every, every Patriot opponent as the real deal. And it's like, oh man, if they do this, they could totally beat us. Yeah, that was just because you had an over-the-hill quarterback who couldn't open up the offense. Now you've got a, a young whippersnapper in Cam Newton who's uh, open to the whole playbook. So Hey, that they they lost games even when Tom Brady was playing MVP level, so it's don't uh, put this on Brady. Uh, debatable. Debatable. I, I take it Nick's going to take the Seahawks there as well? He does have the Seahawks, so it's us against him. Or no, did yeah, you pick Patriots. I'm taking right? the Patriots. I'm taking the Patriots, okay. yeah. All right, so we'll see who wins there. Uh Monday night, we have Saints and Raiders. I like this game a lot. At 
in Las Vegas. Are they in Las Vegas? Yep, in Las yeah. Vegas. So we'll get to see that new stadium from the inside there in prime time now. I'm really excited for this game. Uh, the Raiders are a really fascinating team to me. Uh, you know, obviously the Saints look just like, you know, I put the Saints up there like as a buzzsaw and, and like what Pittsburgh looks like from like a defensive perspective, but what, what uh, the Saints are all around the team. So, I th- yeah, I think I have to take the Saints here, but I, I like what Gruden is building over there. And I think that the Raiders are just, they're right there. They're getting really close to being a team that is threatening to win every week against any opponent. Yeah, uh, I, I'm going with the Saints as well, and so is Nick. But, you know, you called the Tampa Bay-Carolina as your trap game. I think I have to call this my trap game because uh, Mike Thomas may not play. And I'm not sure if we've seen a Saints offense without Michael Thomas. And last year, he was the passing game. And, you know, they went and got Emmanuel Sanders to help that out. But we, you know, I'm, I I just, I don't know if uh, what this offense looks like if he's not in the game. And if he doesn't play, there's a chance that they get stagnant and the Raiders uh, could be a, could surprise them. Yeah, I, I definitely can see that. Uh, at the same time, this offense is just so versatile. Sean Payton is just so smart. Uh, you know, I think the biggest thing that they're able to do is with Alvin Kamara, they're able to just create so many mismatches in different ways. Uh, you know, typically they're playing through Michael Thomas, and that's what sets the mismatch, the, the mismatches uh, and the tone of the game. But all they have to do is shift that towards Kamara, uh, you know, and, and run some different concepts with Cook and uh, Emmanuel Sanders, and they can easily shift, you know, the meta of this offense. So I think that – I don't think that them missing Michael Thomas is – that big of a deal, especially because they brought in Emmanuel Sanders, who even if he just plays one or two games as good as he's ever played a game, that's all they need him for. Uh, and I think that he's capable of playing at that level uh, any week. So, Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I still think the Saints win this, but yeah, that definitely could be an upset alert. Um, and then, yeah, Nick, Nick did have the Saints as well, so that's that's it for us. Uh, uh, we got all of our picks in, so now we just have to wait till tomorrow and Monday to see how it did. I love it. I love having football back. I love having all these games, uh, you know, especially with diving in, trying to do this deeper analysis. I'm sitting here with, you know, my phone. I've got one score on my phone. I've got my TV on with, you know, uh, Sunday ticket. Then I've got the local game on my computer you know, down here and just, just absorbing football. You know, I love football so much and I'm glad that it's back. And, you know, we haven't had to talk about COVID, which has been a really, really positive sign. Uh, Pete Carroll made a note, you know, that they feel like that was phase two of the season to go on the road and come back, have no positive COVID tests. So uh, it seems like they're, you know, they've learned from MLB and what the NBA did and different things. And they've seen, you know, that, how quickly this can be taken, uh, taken away. So um, I'm really, really uh, grateful to the players for taking that seriously and doing what they can to bring us, you know, this entertainment because we definitely need it. And with the times that we're dealing with right now. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think football has got a much easier uh, 
road to staying COVID, uh, staying clear of COVID than the MLB does because, you know, baseball players, they're gone for sometimes weeks at a time doing these away game series, whereas football, they're able to kind of, you know, get in, play, get out, get get everyone back home within a matter of two days. Yep. So that is nice, and teams are taking ser- – you know, they are taking it seriously about uh, who is allowed where. I mean, you saw with the Seahawks, they cut a rookie defensive back because, you know, trying to sneak a girl into their hotel room while they were at camp or whatever. Yep. Not just not a smart move by him. So, you know, and then even like even in the NBA, I think someone on the Heat tried doing the same thing, and they made him leave the bubble. So, I don't yep. think they'll see him for the rest of the playoffs. Yeah, speaking of the NBA, uh, looks like the Lakers were able to easily handle the Nuggets in their first game. Uh, but as we saw, the Nuggets obviously have you know some down the stretch. Uh, uh, ability to pull it out. So uh, if the Lakers continue on this trend, which I think that the Lakers were clearly the best team in the league this year, and the Clippers were about their only, you know, true competition. Uh, so I easily see the Lakers getting past the Nuggets here in this little bit. And that's just my little NBA corner. Yeah, I, I got the Lakers beating them. I think uh, Snoop Dogg called it uh, Lakers in five. Lakers in five. Yeah, could be could be very real. Uh, surprised to see the Heat go up on the Celtics two games to nothing. Yes. Um, I I mean I I thought that I I thought the Heat did have they do have nice depth, but I guess I I didn't think that they had a good enough number two to Jimmy Butler to really kind of get this deep into the playoffs. And so far they seem to be proving me wrong. I just thought the Celtics were just too stacked. But uh, we'll see what happens. Well, it's funny, too. I remember, you know, two years ago, uh, you know, that, that's the reason, you know, maybe it's not as fun. You know, maybe it's not as flashy for us in this podcast to, you know, have these just absurd, you know, hard takes. But at the same time, that's what I think that's what fans need. They need to understand uh, that there is so much nuance in sports and to kind of get off track there. But, you know, I remember two years ago when, you know, Brad Stevens, was the, you know, the most genius coach in basketball for what he did uh, with the Celtics, you know, because they were playing without Kyrie and they were, you know, rattling off 16 games, you know, 16 wins and just what an amazing team they were, uh, you know, and this is a team that's consistently come up short in the playoffs, uh, you know, consistently lost games in the regular season where they should have won. And it, it's looking like you're going to have another uh, empty playoff series uh, though I would love to see a Lakers Celtics clash for the yeah, classic. Just... Um, but yeah, that being said, it's just, it's always interesting to look back at, you know, all the, you know, talking heads on TV and, you know, how positive they were uh, that, you know, Celtics and Brad Stevens were the new dynasty and every team needed a coach like Brad Stevens. And, uh, you know, obviously after a few years, we're seeing that is not the case. Yeah. Did, did we have um, a finals between, you know, the Celtics' old big three with Garnett, Pierce, and Allen against uh, Kobe's Lakers? We had oh, yeah. to have. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I want to say that yeah. was the one – that was one of Kobe's rings there. I think they – I'll have to pull that up. It's been 
that was back like 2005. That was like 15 years ago now. So to pull my info on that again, but yeah, they had a lot of big, big clashes back then. That was a lot of fun to watch those. Yeah. Yeah. It's all coming back to me now. Just we were talking about classic, you know, games, if it what did turn out to be Lakers Celtics. And I just got myself trapped and thinking, man, have we not seen that since, you know, magic and bird. And then it was like, no, we had to have, there had to be someone you know, like one with Kobe and the big three. Yeah. And so that was the last time that we've seen the Lakers and the, uh, the Celtics really teeing off. So it's about time to, to revamp that. And hopefully the Celtics can, you know, for classics, hopefully they can get something together and then we could see them for the next couple of years battling out in some championships. Yeah. It, it'll be nice to see LeBron make another finals. And I, I find myself refreshed that we're not going to see uh, the Golden State Warriors in the finals this year. See, and I was, you know, even being a Lakers fan, I really enjoyed watching what the the Warriors brought us, uh, you know, and then even more being a Lakers fan, you know, I just, I've never been a LeBron James fan. I've been, always been open, openly critical. I think that he's probably the most talented basketball player to ever step on the court. Uh, you know, but he, to go three and six in NBA finals for me, you know, I know Jordan had, you know, Pippen and, uh, oh, shoot. He had Steve Kerr there for a while. Who was their power forward center? Oh, Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman. I don't know why I call him Dennis Rodman, but, you know, I know that he had the team surrounding him and everything, but, you know, at the same time, he was just different in the playoffs. You know, he was the guy that was scoring 30, 40, 50 points, you know, in the playoffs. Whereas you see LeBron James kind of, you know, in those uh, championships that they lose, you just kind of see LeBron James kind of disappear. You know, and for a guy like that, I want to see you, if you're going to lose, I want to see you go, you know, eight for 35 from the field and you lost because you couldn't get it done. You know, I don't want you to lose it because you, kicked it out for the assist and they couldn't make the final shot uh you know yeah I mean I will say that that is LeBron's strength and so I think and probably in his eyes you know he is playing to his strength he is the great facilitator like everywhere he goes he elevates everyone around him he's never been I mean he can certainly go into that mode where he's like all right I'm gonna do this myself and get 40 50 points that's never been his game well, and, you know, and that's I think that's my issue with him. You look back to like his early Cleveland, you know, he was he averaged, you know, 28, 29 points a game. He had a couple over 30, he's had a couple seasons over 30. Even then he's a 20 uh let's see, career 27 points a game guy, you know, and again when it seems like they lose in those big playoff games, he's sitting around 20 points with, you know, 15 assists which look great on the stat sheet and sure you're putting, putting points together, but you're, you do something different when you're a guy like Michael Jordan, when you're a guy like Kobe Bryant or LeBron James, and you go in and you say, you have to go through me. You know, you, you take away a certain will for their, for them to be able to win late in the games when you do that. And I think that's, you know, that's the big part of basketball. Uh, nobody's really crushed by the fact that you drove in and kicked the ball out and they hit an open shot. You know, it's just a different different level of imposing your will. And obviously, I think that the Lakers have 
Anthony Davis to do that now. So hopefully that's the case. Yeah. But we digress. We yes. are uh, probably, we will call it a day here. Thank you for all for listening. Uh, we'll see you again on Tuesday. Talk about where we went right, where we went wrong. Nick should be back with us so we can uh, make fun of him losing or he can laugh in our faces. We'll see what happens. See what happens. We'll see you then. Goodbye, everybody.